expectation that we have in him come behold the wondrous mystery Christ the Lord upon the tree in the stead of ruined sinners hangs the lamb in victory see the price of our redemption see the father's plan unfold bringing many sons to glory grace unmeasured love untold love untold come behold the wondrous mystery slain by death the god of life but no grave could ever restrain him Praise the Lord, He is alive. What a foretaste of deliverance. How unwavering our hope. Christ in power resurrected as we will be when He comes. What a foretaste of deliverance. How unwavering our hope, Christ in power resurrected, as we will be when He comes. Amen. You can be seated for a moment. We are so thankful that you're here with us this morning. Whether you're worshiping in here in our sanctuary or online, we want to say welcome to you, and we are grateful for you being with us this morning. As we gather, we hope that you are, uh, again, remembering uh, to social distance and wear your mask and be careful, things like that. Uh, We want to encourage you to do those things so that uh, everybody stays healthy and stays safe. Uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then we will continue in our worship this morning. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you sent your son who lived a sinless life and died a death that we deserved on a cross, Lord. And we thank you that through your power, he resurrected three days later. And Lord, that we have eternal life and eternal hope in him. God, we thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to worship you this morning. Lord, we pray that we would do that well, that we would do it wisely, and that you would guide us. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen to the words of Paul in Colossians 1 as we continue to read. In verse 24, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, verse 21. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. As we continue to worship together this morning, would you stand as we sing about the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ, the debt that he paid that we could never afford. Let's sing together this morning. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. All 
to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as now Lord now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper spots and melt the heart of stone let's sing it together Jesus paid it all all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And when before the throne I stand in Jesus died my soul to say, my lips shall still repeat, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Sing, oh, praise the one who paid my debt. Let's sing together. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and Raise this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raise this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raise this life up from the dead. Jesus. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. sing together this morning. I am not what I make. I am who you have made me to be. I am not what I've done. I am loved unconditionally. I am not loved by the measure of love that I bring. 
I am not who I know. I am known by the King of all kings. Jesus, you are enough. Jesus, you are enough for me. With nothing, I still have everything. Jesus, you are enough for me. You are maker made visible, holding the world in your hands. You are patient and merciful, giver of grace without end. satisfied simply by being who you've always been you are infinite in love and you prove it again and again Jesus you are enough Jesus you are enough for me with nothing i still have everything jesus you are enough for me jesus you are enough jesus you are enough for me with nothing i still have everything jesus you are enough for me singing you i am created in you i am created in you i am sustained with you I'm resurrected you overcame the grave with you I stand in victory now what else could I need with you I want for nothing Jesus, my everything. Jesus, you are enough. Jesus, you are enough for me. With nothing, I still have everything. Jesus, you are enough for me. Jesus, you are enough. Jesus, you are enough for me with nothing. I still have everything. Jesus, you are enough for me. Father, we thank you that you are enough for us. Lord, we thank you that the sacrifice of your son satisfied the demands of the law and fulfilled our punishment that we deserve. Lord, we thank you that you sustain us. God, we love you. We praise you for who you are. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen.
you can be seated. One of the ways that we respond to our God in worship is through the giving of our tithes and our offerings. If you're in-house and want to remind you that uh, you'll give on the way out, we'll have people at the doors as well as the black boxes located at our Welcome Center. And if you are online with us this morning, I want to encourage you to go ahead and give at this time as David plays. You'll find the text to give number on your screen. David, thank you so much for that. I want to invite our children. This is The Price is Right. So if you are a child, maybe it's your first time here to the in-person service. Maybe it's been a while and you haven't been here for a children's sermon. We have children's sermons. So you want to run on down the aisle, just step over this candy here on the floor, and you'll want to come on up to the choir loft here, and you find a blue place, and you can sit um, sit in one with just uh, every other seat or so, just... You know, not, not too close, I guess. We're going to have children's sermon, and we'll do this throughout the summer. And each, uh, each week, your children will be able to come down. I guess that's children through about fifth grade or so. We don't have any age limits up here. But while the children are coming down and we're getting ready for a children's sermon, I want to speak to our online audience right now. I um, want to, if possible, maybe we have an online bulletin, and hopefully... Our in-person folks have received a bulletin, so we still have our bulletin, but if you're online right now, maybe someone could share the online bulletin, because you'll be able to follow along with that, and like Chris says, we do have a text to give, as well as maybe online giving, so you have an opportunity to certainly um, uh, give online on our church's website, so someone could maybe share a link to our online audience as well for that. For in-person folks, you know, we don't pass an offering plate. We do have our black boxes back there in the back. I was even, I was at First Baptist Hilton Head last Sunday, and they're using black boxes as well. So they had a stand in the back. I actually took a picture of it. I thought, I thought it was so neat. So I like this one even better than ours, because you walk right out and it's right there. You just drop, uh, drop your offering and your guest card. And what we do, it might have to be some new faces here this morning. If you are visiting here with us, uh, do, if you fill out your little uh, guest card and uh, drop it in the black box as you leave and um, uh, we'll certainly c- connect with you. We won't stop by and visit you, but we'll uh, give phone calls, send a letter. Uh, just thank you for attending our worship services here this morning. With that, Our online crowd is way. One of the best ways you can get word out for spreading the gospel, especially today for Father's Day, because I believe we have a message that's going to speak to all fathers 
uh, and grandfathers in this unusual times of and even the season of life that our country is in. I want you to hit share right now if you're watching this. That way your friends and those that follow you on Facebook can certainly see that you are worshiping at home. And it's a great way to get word out about since we can't really go out and, I guess, invite folks to church like we used to, you can invite people virtually. So why don't you do that? You certainly are able to share our services. We have children sermon this morning. I'm going to pull up my chair here and grab this item right here. Today is Father's Day. What are some of the favorite things that uh, your, your dads, your fathers like to do? What's your favorite thing? Is any, anybody? It is hard to talk with a mask on. So we'll get, so Benjamin says not. So Benjamin, what's, what are some of the favorite things your father likes to do? Basketball. Basketball? Did not know that, Esther. <laughs> preach, that's true, that's true. Basketball and preach, yes ma'am. Soccer, your dad likes to play soccer. Raphael, did you know you're a soccer player or anything else? Abby, what does your dad like to do? Football? Build houses, John. There you go, a house builder. Well, where I was at this past week, does anybody know what this thing is? Anybody other than front row? Yes, ma'am. That's right, it's a golf ball. Does any of your dads like to play golf? Got house builders, soccer players, an unknown basketball player over there. So that is one of the things we do is we, on Father's Day, we honor our fathers, and that's a way to make them feel special. And something like um, that makes maybe dads feel special is when you maybe do something with them that they enjoy or encourage them to go out and do something. And that's one of the ways we honor our fathers. In fact, I want to read for y'all a Bible verse. It's a Father's Day Bible verse here. This is out of the Ten Commandments. This here is the fifth commandment, and it's the only commandment with a promise. It says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, Honor your father and your mother, so that you may have a long life in the land that your Lord, your God, is giving you. The Bible says to honor your father and mother, and as a result of that, you're able to have a long life. And that's a promise. You honor your parents. Now, how do we honor our parents? What does that mean to honor someone? Yes, ma'am, Abby? Absolutely, we obey them. Esther, how do we honor our father and mother? Do our chores, that's right. Anyone else? Do you know, does honoring your parents, does that only apply when you're maybe a child or when you're an adult? Yes, ma'am. An adult, that's right. I want to give you an example. Pastor Daniel has a bad habit. You all know one of my bad habits? I stand up and eat. Does anybody, anybody here else stand up and eat? There we go, four people. What happens is, it's, t you know, you... It's easy. If you're standing there in the kitchen, why sit down? I'm a fast eater, so you just sit there and you'll just find yourself and you've ate your whole meal standing up right there in the kitchen. Well, I was with my mom and dad this past week 
and everybody's sitting at the table in the little condo we were at, and what am I doing? I'm standing up eating. And my dad told me to sit down and eat. I'm thinking, Dad, why, why do you care if I sit down? Or, uh, but guess what I had to do? Because the Bible says, honor your father and mother. And when your dad asks you to sit down and eat, which for me, there's no point in that. I have actually, darling, I've actually done it by accident downstairs in our fellowship hall. I found myself standing up eating Darlene's cooking back when we used to have that. Didn't even sit down at the round table. I'm just standing there eating off my plate. I, I remembered I have to honor my father. And he asked me to sit down. So I went around the corner. I sat down. 20 seconds later, I was done. I stood up. And, uh, and that was it. But that's uh, even as an adult, we are expected to honor our fathers and our mothers. That's a fifth commandment in the Bible. So this Father's Day, we're reminded by the Lord that we're to honor Him. We want to show respect to our parents. We want to obey our parents. We want to make, make them feel very special. But most importantly, children and as adults, we honor our mother and father. Okay, we have a closing prayer. And then afterwards, I'm going to get my microphone. What you'll do is, remember like Hansel and Gretel, you'll go down there. We have Airheads, my favorite candy that I no longer eat. You'll be able to go down there and grab some candy. We've got our microphone. Who would like to say our closing prayer? Is it Vida or Vida? Vida. Vida, come on down. All right, I'm going to set it right there. It's turned on, so let's bow our heads. And we'll close our eyes, and Vita is going to, she's going to say our closing prayer. Thank you, God, that we pray that the coronavirus will stop and everything will go perfect. Thank you, God, that you won't have to wear masks and everybody will be safe and just amen. Amen. Vita, thank you so much. That was outstanding. You did a good job. All right, uh, children, it's hard to pray with a mask on, I know. Why don't y'all come on down here and grab you a piece of candy, and uh, I greatly appreciate that. You can grab one for your dad. If you have your Bibles, open up to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 24. Today is Father's Day, so you'll want to pull out your bulletin uh, if you have it here, and follow, you can follow along on the inside part of your bulletin with that. We're going to be looking at a passage that I believe speaks immensely to just the radical changes just in the past few weeks. It seems like every week there's just what, what new breaking news is going to happen? What outrageous event is going to occur uh, this, um, this coming week? But before we get into the scriptures here and read everything that God has a message for us, I actually want to, I'm going to have a special time of prayer. While we were down in South Carolina, uh, I've never met our congressman, Andy Barr. One time I did and tried to invite him to come speak to our, back when we used to have our men's prayer breakfast, but he wasn't available, but... Um, I was following the news up here, and uh, I've never met uh, Congressman Barr, but he seems like a very godly 
man, seems like somebody, he's our, our, our congressman here, and we as believers and as citizens, we want to be diligent in praying for our elected officials as well as our congressmen, and I believe it was Tuesday evening, as many of you, you all know this, his wife, she's only 39 years old, she passed away unexpectedly. And that also reminds us as well is that the Lord knows when we're going to uh, be called home. And we always need to be prepared to meet Jesus. And, and they leave behind two little girls, two young girls, I think even younger than our children. So I want to lead us in a special time. This is a very difficult Father's Day, I'm sure, for An uh, Congressman Andy Barr as well as his uh, daughters. The, the mom, mother is now in heaven. So let's bow our heads, and I want to pray for our congressman. God, I do pray for Congressman Andy Barr and his two daughters right now. As this is the most devastating week for them as Carol, his wife, passed away and stepped into your presence. It's reassuring to know that she is a believer and that reading her testimony and her life story, Lord, I pray for Representative Barr that he is uh, dependent upon you. He calls out to you as these little girls now are growing up without mama. A difficult, difficult period. Lord, I pray for healing. Lord, we know death was never part of original creation. It's because of sin that we die and enter into humanity. But Lord, we know that you're a great God. And even when folks experience tragedy such as death and loss and pain, Lord, I pray that we cry out and fall to you. And we as believers here in our city, we ask for your presence upon our representative Andy Barr, I pray that, Lord, he is a godly father to his girls as he will now be raising them alone. And I pray you strengthen him as he serves our nation, serves our, our district here. And, Lord, we especially pray for her family, her siblings, as well as her parents. As there, everyone in Carol's family is greatly grieving. Lord, we as a church family, we lift up our elected officials especially Representative Barr and his two girls right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time. I do encourage you to continue praying, uh, praying for Representative Barr as he's dealt with this tragedy right now. Open up your Bibles, book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 24. If you could go back in time just for a few, gosh, a few months ago, I believe fatherhood is really what America needs right now. It is unbelievable of the things going on. Right before um, we headed down to Hilton Head, I had the honor to be able to, our church served Chick-fil-A to, um, oh, over in Frankfurt Pike, there's that, the police station over there. You know, uh, we need to honor our police officers, so our church... Because of your tithes and your giving, we were able to go give them dinner. The, the police officers were so, so appreciative of our church going there and dropping off Chick-fil-A to the, our 
our wonderful law enforcement officers here in our city. Very, very uh, appreciative of that. And one of the guys is, uh, we were bringing in, Benjamin Esther helped me do that, drop, drop that off. One of the guys told me, he says, you know, Pastor, I have, ne- the things that have been going on the past few weeks, never in all my years of policing have I ever seen or experienced. And he's an officer, he had been there many years, his officer, and he's never seen these things before. And not only that, I think about the things going on. You turn on your television and you possibly see looting, vandalism, violence, protest. Goodness. If I was a basketball player, Esther, I would have, uh, would have been able to catch that, but I, yeah, I missed that one. It rolled off. But what happened was you turn on the television and it seems like there's lawlessness. There's you think, what country am I in? Where, where is this? What is going on? I'm a history guy, and uh, I, I enjoy looking at old statues and just going to you know, battlefields, just the history of America, and they're, they're coming down. Even the state I grew up in, Alabama, they're pulling them down. Here, they're pulling them down. History is, is changing monuments, and, and every day it seems like there's something new. Uh, streets are being renamed. Uh, the city of Seattle is experiencing a takeover. I mean, our beautiful cities of the, of the nation seems like what is occurring? And it's not just in the cities. It's, it's everywhere, small towns. And you're, war, 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 you're, you're, war, you're watching this stuff. And you're seeing how our police officers and how just a, a disrespect for the flag. How I read a newspaper article yesterday about people saying, we don't even need the national anthem anymore at basketball and football games. Why are we even uh, saying the Pledge of Allegiance and these, teaching this stuff to our children in school? It's just, it seems there is a complete cultural, radical change occurring a shift all around do y'all you do you all sense this do you all sense this online just it's like there's a worldview shift that's just and it's happening at breakneck speed i mean if you were asked me in january february what we would be going on at father's day i wouldn't even say what are you there's no possible way and it's occurring And I believe the root of the problem of this could be traced back to the breakdown of the family, the breakdown of dads taking responsibility of teaching their children, even their grandchildren, what is right and wrong. There is a right and wrong. It is wrong. To be disrespectful to people. It's wrong to mock police officers. It's wrong to burn American flags. Or your flag, whatever country you're from. That's just disrespectful. If you, if you aren't happy with your country, there's a, what, 200 other countries. To, I mean, there's other options out there. But, what, but we 
as Christians, we're called to respect our government and to honor our father and mother. Now, if there's lawlessness, if there's corruption, that needs to be addressed. That, that needs to be dealt with. Changes can be made. But we as believers, we're called to honor and to respect. And what happens, where I'm going with this, is we're about to see a man named David. He showed great respect to a man who was trying to kill him. You know, if someone was trying to kill you, would you respect them? Would you want to honor them? And we're about to see David honor someone. God calls us as fathers to train up our children in the ways of the Lord. And then when they grow up, they will not depart from them. I believe some of the lawlessness that we see going on all over this country and the redefinition of marriage, and the immorality, and the pornography, all of this is the result, is because we have dads, and mamas too, not teaching right and wrong to children. So children are coming up, coming up, and they don't know right or wrong. Okay, open your Bibles. We're about to see one of the best stories, I believe, of David honoring Actually, it's his father-in-law. I want to give you background information. Saul is the first king of Israel. Saul was a jealous man. He wasn't a good boss. He wanted to kill David because God rejected Saul. Do you know why he rejected Saul? Because Saul did not obey what God told him to do. When God speaks to you, when God has told you and He's given you instructions what to do, He expects you to obey Him. Saul had been rejected. And this man named Samuel, who was the prophet, he came to David. Now remember, David was a shepherd boy. David was a good-looking little redhead in the field watching sheep. Samuel comes to him and anoints him as just a teenager, he says, soon, one day, you will be the next king of Israel. Now, he had to wait till he was 30 years old before he became king. So he had about 15 years before that actually occurred. But in that 15 years of waiting, he married, because he killed Goliath, he married Saul's daughter, which then made his father-in-law King Saul. So he was now in the palace. There in Jerusalem. He had come out of the fields in Bethlehem. He was in the palace. He played the harp for Saul because Saul was tormented by an evil spirit. Saul would try to kill David. He would throw a spear at him. But with the Lord's guidance, David always got out of the way. Well, then all of a sudden, Saul had a son named Jonathan. And Jonathan and David became very close friends. Extremely close. And Jonathan came to him and says, said, David, you've got to leave the palace. You can't stay here any longer. My dad is trying to kill you. If you are still here, the man, is, he'll get you. You need to just go. Just start. You're a fugitive now. Get on the run. So David's on the run. 
And Saul is bringing thousands of men to try to find him, to kill him. And we're going to pick up in this story here where God has delivered Saul over to David to almost test his character. See, when you have the opportunity to get vengeance, have you ever watched TV and you get so stirred up, so angry, it's just you want to, and I'm convinced that's what TV is like, they're, they're trying to stir you up. If you're a Republican, you think the enemy are the Democrats. If you're a Democrat, you think the enemy are the Republicans. And they're, they, you're pitted against the other side. Our real enemy is the devil. That's what the Bible says. People aren't our enemies. The Bible says vengeance is the Lord's. We are not called to take revenge. God is a just judge. He is the one at judgment who will judge all actions. Look what happens here. 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 1 through, verses 1 through 11. God's word says, when Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, so basically he, had to, he was chasing David, but the Philistines started attacking Saul, so he had to go back and fight them off. So now he's getting back to his business of chasing David. He's in the Dead Sea region, a real hilly region with a lot of caves. When Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the wilderness near En Gedi. So Saul took, look at this, 3,000 of Israel's fit young men and went to look for David and his men in front of the rock of the wild goats. When Saul came to the sheep pens along the road, a cave was there, and he went in to relieve himself. That meant he went to use the restroom in the cave. But look at this. David, you know, David has a little small group of men with him. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave, meaning they were way back there in the cave. And all of a sudden, of all people, Saul is in the cave. And Saul isn't, doesn't have his army around him. It's an opportunity. So they said to him, these are the men that are with David. Do you know, a lot of times, you'll receive advice. But that doesn't mean it's the best advice. David's men are advising him. And look at the advice they give him. So they said to him, look, this is the day the Lord told you about. I will hand your enemy over to you, so you can do to him whatever you desire. Then David got up and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. So probably what happened, Saul took off his robe and laid it down and continued to go back in the cave to use the restroom. So he's taking his clothes off because he's using the restroom. And David sneaks up and cuts the corner off of his robe. But the men were, his friends were implying to him, you know, David... If you were to kill Saul, you are now the king of Israel. I mean, it's a nice, it's a good, nobody's around. God's handed this man over to you. It's an easy kill. All his armies are outside. We're alone. 
You can do it, and no one will know. And even his friends are urging him to kill. Do you know we read that Bible verse up here in Children's Church? The fifth commandment is honor your father or mother. Do you know what the next commandment is? The sixth commandment is thou shalt not kill. Do not murder is the sixth commandment. Remember David grew up as the son of Jesse. He's from the tribe of Judah. He grew up learning the Old Testament law. David knew the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses on Mount Sinai. David knew that God said, Thou shall not kill. That applies to us today. We do not kill one another. We do not go around as violent individuals. Just because David had an opportunity to kill Saul does not mean that was the right thing to do. Saul was the king of Israel. God had anointed and chosen Saul for that position. Even though Saul was not doing what he was supposed to be doing as the king, that does not give David permission to go kill the man. Remember, vengeance is the Lord's. God is the one who will judge Saul, not David. David knew this. Why? Because he had a daddy named Jesse, here on Father's Day, and Jesse had a bunch of brothers, a bunch of sons. David had a bunch of brothers. And Jesse taught his boys this book right here, the Bible. That's why we need fathers today. And otherwise, if you do not teach your sons and your daughters this book right here, you will have children that do not know their left hand from their right hand. They will not know right from wrong. What used to be right is now wrong, and what used to be wrong is now right. That's an example when dads and grandparents do not teach their children the Word of God. You have lawlessness, and we are surrounded by it right now. It's out of control. So let's keep going. Here in your Bible. Verse 5. Do you know, verse 5, I believe, is the key verse in this passage. Because one of the things what happens to you, when you're a believer and you sin, God convicts you of that sin. He calls and urges us to repent of that sin. That's why when I was standing up eating in our condo there in Hilton Head Island and the rest of the family sitting at the table and Danny Osmond told me, Son, Dan, you need to sit down with your family and eat. You don't need to stand up and eat. I think, who cares? But I had to obey him. Why? Because I know what the fifth commandment says. Honor your father and mother. Remember, I think of three years ago, I told the exact same story. I'm standing in the kitchen. We were, I think, Hilton Island. And my mom or dad wanted me to take out the garbage. And next thing you know, I'm hauling the trash out. Dan, can you grab the garbage? There you go. 
I know what the Bible says to honor your parents. And if I dishonor them, yes, I'm dishonoring mom and dad, but I'm also, more importantly, I'm sinning against the Lord. Look at what happened here. Look at this. Remember, what did, what, what did David do? He came up. Saul's using the bathroom. Watch this, guys. I'll cut it. I'll cut his robe off. The corner of his robe. I've got it. That was the king's robe. And David just ran up there and cut it off with his knife. And in verse 5, church, look, look folks online. Look at this. Afterwards, David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. He ruined his robe. He cut the corner off. He dishonored the king. That's his father-in-law. He disrespected his father-in-law. He's married to Saul's daughter, Miguel. And here he is trying to stick it to Saul because Saul is trying to kill him. And his conscience is bothering him. What happens, I want you all to know this. This is the main, main takeaway here. If your conscience isn't a biblical worldview, if your children and grandchildren do not know the Scriptures, what will happen is they will grow up and become adults. And then, when something wrong comes along, such as homosexual marriage, abortion, protest, violence, disrespecting the flag, disrespecting police officers, when that comes along, and it will come along with our culture, because that's the drift where we're going in our world. If you do not have a biblical worldview, your conscience will not bother you. God gave us a conscience to remember what is right and wrong. But if you have not been taught right and wrong, you will not know it growing up. This is why Christian educators, this is why Sunday school, this is why Awana clubs, VBS, this is why doing family devotions at home, this is why grandparents giving your children a Bible and a children's Bible, teaching them biblical stories is so important because if they don't learn, they will grow up and they will have a seared conscience. Meaning it's been burned. In our culture, the devil will burn and destroy your conscience today. We live in a world, the United States, people have no clue what's right and wrong anymore. It's unbelievable. Everything's backwards. And, but David, because his dad was named Jesse, and Jesse taught his boys the Bible, David knew you do not murder people, and you do not disrespect your father-in-law, and you honor the king. Just as we are commanded to honor those that are in authority over us, we pray for our elected officials. That's why we pray for Representative Barr right now. He's in need of our prayers. We pray for our president. We pray for our mayor. We lift up our police officers. We 
honor those in authority over us. This has to be taught. Dads, you teach this to your children. You should not tolerate disrespect. If you see your children dishonoring someone, call them out. Say, son, that's wrong. You need to apologize. You say, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. You show respect. David is respecting a man who wants to kill him. Keep going here. Verse 6. He said to his men, I swear before the Lord, I would never do such a thing to my Lord. My Lord there he's talking about. First he's talking about Lord God. The second Lord is, is Saul. His, his father all over him. The, my Lord, the Lord's anointed. That is Saul. God anointed the same man. So remember, Samuel anointed David to be the future king of Israel. But do you know who Samuel also had anointed years earlier? Saul. David recognizes Saul, even though he's been disobedient, he's still the Lord's anointed. I'll never do such a thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed. I will never lift my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. With these words, David persuaded his men, men and he did not let them rise up against Saul. He's cut it off, says, we're not going to kill this man. I shouldn't even, shouldn't even cut his robe off. Then Saul left the cave and went on his way. So Saul's now put his robe back on, gone out the cave, doesn't realize that a corner is missing from the robe. After that, David got up, went out of the cave, and called to Saul, My Lord, the king! When Saul looked behind him, David knelt low with his face to the ground and paid homage. He went up to Saul and bowed down before him. David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of people who say, Look, David intends to harm you. You can see with your own eyes that the Lord handed you over to me today in the cave. Someone advised me to kill you, meaning his men, his, his fighters, his soldiers, David's group, his little army band, was saying, David, go kill the man. You can become king. But I took pity on you and said, I won't lift my hand against my Lord since he is the Lord's anointed. Look, my father, look at the corner of your robe in my hand for I cut it off, but I did not kill you. Recognize that I've committed no crime or rebellion. There it is. David did not want, he was under conviction of just doing something as small as de destroying his robe. He said, I'm not leading a rebellion. I'm not leading any protest. There's no crime here. Recognize that I've committed no crime or rebellion. I haven't sinned against you, even though you're hunting me down to take my life. Do you know David, while he was in this cave here, he wrote two psalms. And I want to, I want to read one of them up here, one of the verses from the psalms, because it's Psalm 57, and he also wrote Psalm 142. But Psalm 57, verse 4. Look up here on the screen. It's Psalm 57, 4. Because I want you to see this, these words. And I believe this applies to us. 
Because when we think of lions, a lot of times we're actually thinking of the physical lion. But a lot of times the lions in our life, the attacks on us, aren't necessarily a physical lion. It's the advice that we're giving or receiving. And it says up here, David, and he wrote this while he was in the cave. I am surrounded by lions. I lie down among devouring lions. People whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Now think about this. You might think he could be talking about Saul. But who was David with that was encouraging him to kill the king? Whose tongues, look at that last word, whose tongues are sharp swords. Do you know, if you aren't careful, those who are closest around you, such as David's men, they were encouraging him to kill. They were giving him instructions. Says, David, God has given you your desire. Look, the Lord has handed him over. It's an easy attack. Take them out right now. Do you know, fathers, your words to your children and your grandchildren are sharp swords. And you could point them in the wrong direction or you could point them in the right direction. As dads, the Bible tells us not to exasperate our children. The word exasperate means to stir up. That's Colossians 3.21. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. And what was happening here, David's men were trying to stir up David to kill But David had a conscience because he knew the Bible. And the principle for us, God wants us to allow our conscience to be guided by a biblical worldview. So even when those who are closest to us, even maybe our family members, our closest friends, they're encouraging us to do something wrong, we need to be able to say, am I Hearing a message that wants me to devour. And that's what David's men were trying to do. To get him to kill. But David knew killing is wrong. Listen, here in this unusual time, just because everybody is doing something, and it seems like all the momentum is going in that direction, it seems like the whole world is marching this way, that does not mean it's right. Where do we find what's right or wrong? Even in your friends, or maybe they're going in that direction, the the worldly direction. You as a Christian have to, must be grounded by Scripture. Scripture is what God has spoken to you. Last things. Let's see if I can put up here on the board. Our board might not be working, but I want to show you today what a biblical worldview looks like. Here's what it is. This is what 
if you want to teach your children, and I want to tell you, if your your children aren't, if your sons and daughters aren't teaching your grandchildren, for some of you grandparents, you have to start teaching your grandchildren. Fathers and grandfathers provide your children with a biblical worldview, meaning they need to have an outlook on life of all the things going on in the world about what does the Bible have to say. Number one, they need to be taught that marriage is between a man and a woman. Two men do not marry. That's not biblical marriage. Two women do not marry. A man marries a woman. That's the only wedding you should ever attend. It's the only one you should recognize. That's what the Bible says. God performed the first wedding in Genesis 2, 24. It was between a woman named Eve and a man named Adam. And we teach this to our children. They need to know growing up, as you grow up, you look for the person of the opposite sex to marry. That's how God created you. Number two, what do we see here? Racism and violence are wrong. Racism is a sin. God sent his son Jesus to die on this cross, not just for white folks, for black, yellow, green, who all humanity. Jesus loves all peoples of all colors. And if Jesus loves them, we're to love all peoples too. We're, our goal, our mission is to see all races saved. The Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter 5 that all the nations will be gathered around the throne. All different colors of folks. So racism is wrong. But not only is racism wrong, violence is wrong. We, are not called, we do not rule by violence. We don't run around attacking and ki certainly killing people. Destroying property. Burning places. that There's no place for that for Christians. That's wrong. This is why we have a court system. And if the court system's corrupt, then it needs reform. There needs to be some changes. Vote new people in. That's why we vote. We have an election on Tuesday. When you don't vote, you're basically saying, I, I'm happy with everything, how it goes. Number three, lawlessness does not work. Anarchy doesn't work. It doesn't work. Right is right, wrong is wrong. The Bible is black and white of what is right and wrong. And I want to tell you, our world needs you and I as Bible-believing Christians to stand up and say, this is wrong. If we don't do it, who is? Who else will do it? Because I tell you, the media, the culture, politics isn't going to do it. Government needs the church more than ever to help positively influence what is right and wrong. I want you all to know the direction government can go in. If you're relying on government education and government decisions, they will take you down a road that will end up looking like this. The right hand doesn't know the, from the left hand. And what used to be against the law is now lawful. What used to be a, a lawful is now unlawful. It's, everything's backwards. That is what sin does to people. We know this as Christians. Sin sears your conscience. Meaning, what you used to think was wrong is now right. That's why this Father's Day, it's so important to teach your children and grandchildren the Bible. Because they have to know this. Number four, look up here. Our enemy, look at this, it's the devil. 
Our enemy is not other people. It's not a political party. Division is not godly. God does not want us to be divided. Now, you can disagree, but divided is, com- divided is when you say that's the enemy over there. Our enemy is the devil, and he wants to take people to hell. And he is leading people down a path to eternal separation and damnation from God. And our job as believers is to rescue people from that. It's not a political... Politics is not going to change America. Only a God-sent revival. Number five, last thing here. Here it is. And look at this. Do not miss this. David, the story we just read, knew not to kill. Why? Because his dad, Jesse, told him the sixth commandment. His father taught him the Ten Commandments. Do not murder. As simple as that is, that principle has to be taught. The Ten Commandments. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Honor your father and mother. Do not make a graven image. Worship the Lord your God. Honor the Sabbath. This is why we worship on Sunday. Do not envy. Your children and grandchildren need to know the Ten Commandments. I believe Ten Commandments need to be in every courtroom in America. I mean, you could just the judge could just reference them on the wall and say, okay, your, your crime just broke that command. That's why God gave them. Do you know that's actually how Moses governed? He used the Ten Commandments. If you learn those Ten Commandments, it affects everything else in life. And we as fathers, this Father's Day, you online, I'm asking you to raise your hand and say, I will be a dad. I will be a granddad. I'll be a mother. I'll be a grandmother that teaches my children a biblical worldview. Because they'll go off to college, go off to public schools, go off into the workplace, and it will seem like everything is backwards. That's the result of a seared conscience. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. Maybe God's been speaking to you online. Maybe you need to pray and receive Jesus into your life. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes, even here in our in-person audience. Let's bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to repeat after me. You can receive Jesus this morning here on Father's Day. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. I have a seared conscience. Wash me clean. Give me new life. Put a new heart in me, Lord. I'm sorry for sinning against you. From this day on, I'm yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to look up. If you're online and you pray to receive receive Christ, I want to hear from you. Send the church Facebook page a message here in the audience. You fill out that little connection card, drop it in the black box, and we'll be getting in touch with you. Great way to follow up and begin your work walk with the Lord. This whole summer, I want to invite you here every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We have our in-person worship service. Chris is going to close us out here with a song. 
Let's stand and sing together this morning that chorus, How Marvelous, How Wonderful. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Father, we thank you for your love for us displayed in Jesus. God, we pray that we would take the principles that were taught this morning, Lord, and that we would apply them to our lives. Lord, we're so thankful for our dads. God, we pray that you would give them strength, that you would give them endurance and wisdom, Father, as they seek to train their children in your will and your way. Lord, as we leave this morning, we pray that you would guide each and every one of us. Lord, we love you. We praise you for who you are. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Go in peace.